Hello everyone and welcome to the Banter Roundtable podcast. This is your host, Ben Cohen. And I'm Bob Seska. And I'm Justin Rosario. The Banter Roundtable podcast is brought to you by the Banter Newsletter. We rely on our generous subscribers to keep going, so please support us by signing up for a Banter membership today. You can get a 50% discount when you join the community and you'll get access to all our premium articles and locked archive. You will also be supporting independent, responsible media at a crucial time when our democracy is in peril. Your support is greatly appreciated. Hey everybody and welcome to episode 34 of the Banter Roundtable podcast. I'm here with uh, Justin and Bob today. Bob, welcome back. Ah, thanks guys. It's great to be back. Wait, wait, he's not new? He's not, he's, this is like someone who's on the <laughs> podcast before? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's been that long. You've just completely <laughs> forgotten about me. Who's yeah, this we, guy? We've struggled. Oh, memory. So, yeah, we've struggled so so, mo- so mightily that that uh, Justin can barely remember who, who Bob is anymore. Um, <laughs> two weeks you know, off. It wasn't that long. I mean, it was two weeks, Bob. Two weeks. Two weeks. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> You know, in America, in America, two weeks is like uh, in Europe, like six weeks is a regular vacation. In America, yeah. like three days is about that, that that you're lucky to get three days. I think. If, in this if I say a series of words, can you guys accurately repeat them back? I'm checking your memories. So, person, woman, man, camera, TV. Can you? <laughs> I'm a genius. Yeah, person, woman, camera, man, TV. I'm a genius. <laughs> there you I'm go. A genius. I'm a burful, 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 burful. So it's Were not a memory again? issue. Just guys didn't give a shit enough about me to uh, to remember that I was part of the show. Yeah, basically. Yeah, <laughs> Justin and I got on the sh- we got on the show, and then we we're like, oh yeah, we should probably we should probably invite Bob. Yeah, let's get let's, <laughs> let's invite. Him. Let's see if he's around anyway. That's fine. If he's not, no worries. I uh, no, we're only kidding, Bob. We missed you. Um, oh, thank you. That's nice to hear. Yeah. So look, everybody, we have a a great show for you today. We're going to be discussing Tuesday's hearing, the January 6th hearing, Trump's tweets, Trump's um, efforts to uh, basically instigate a coup in America. Now it's becoming clearer and clearer. There's lots more. There are many, many golden sort of nuggets that we found in the hearings this week, uh, attempts to seize voting machines, et cetera, et cetera. We've got a breaking story about Steve Bannon. Um, the idea that uh, Trump wasn't planning a coup is now gone to rest. Like we now know that Trump was planning this from day one. Mm-hmm. He was planning to declare victory early, even when he hadn't won, got enough votes. So we're talking about that. We have um, the very upsetting story about the 10-year-old who was uh, raped and needed an abortion and why this is now going to become commonplace in America, the political fallout from that. We're going to be discussing um the Biden administration's handling of the row overturn. What what did they do well? What did they do badly? Where can they go from here? We have our both side segments with um, some extreme examples of Republican lunacy. And then we are going to be going into the members section where we're going to be discussing Joe Biden's prospects in 2024 and whether he should be running or not. Uh, My favorite thought, topic. Yeah, I have some thoughts on that. I it's going to be an it's going to be an interesting members only podcast today, but we'll we'll get there. At, we'll get there soon enough. Uh, we were talking about it before the show. Didn't get too much too into it, but I think um, our viewers will find it very interesting. So anyway. Uh, the hearings this week, Bob, you wrote a piece this week, you wrote an excellent piece this week that briefly touched on on um, what we learned from the hearings this week. Yeah. Uh, 
it was, you, you know, look, like, I wouldn't say it was sort of, there was anything huge that, that, that was broken. Um, but it was, you know, again, instructive as to how just how you, I mean, you wrote your story this week was you, mm. the headline was Trump was treated like the rector's child. He is by his own staffers. Yeah. Um, so there was a part of your, this is a paragraph from your piece. You wrote during Tuesday's January 6th committee hearings, new evidence was presented about the things we already knew. And we learned a number of remarkable new details about the planning of this massive attempt to subvert democracy and overthrow the authority of Congress. Among them was further news that Trump has been engaged in alleged witness tampering, calling officials who've been subpoenaed by and testified to the committee about what they observed in the Trump White House. We also heard mind-blowing testimony about how Trump signed executive orders that would authorize the Department of Defense to seize voting machines, while also appointing bottom feeder diet, diet Dr. Pepper addict and Trump attorney Sidney Powell to be special, special counsel in charge of investigating the election. We had previously learned that Trump signed an order naming Jeffrey Clark as acting attorney general after Bill Barr resigned, um, and so on. So anyway... <laughs> I laughed laughed out loud when I read that piece about the doctor, the diet Dr. Pepper addict. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it was really obvious too. It's just like, uh, hang on, mid-sentence, hang on, I've got to slurp this diet Dr. Pepper. It was like that scene from Wayne's World where they're deliberately showing the product placement. They're making a big deal about (laughs) all of the sponsorships. Yeah, yeah, that's the the way she was in that uh, testimony. But uh, it was, there were so many things that were astonishing to me and it's, it says a lot because I knew some of the details that we learned. And right. as I've been saying all along, these hearings aren't necessarily for those of us who follow politics every day. It's mm. for the people who are only casually observing uh, people who are aware of politics, who are concerned about politics, but don't have the time to absorb every single story that comes down about this. So it's so important to put all of these things together into a narrative and even we haven't seen that narrative play out. That's why that's one of the reasons why these hearings are so compelling, because we're seeing all of the individual prongs of this plot that we've been accumulating over the last year and a half, uh, all being sandwiched together. And you got to tip your hat to Benny Thompson and the committee for the work they've done as far as creating those narratives and separating out these hearings and individual topics, making them organized, sharp, crisp. It's, it's really an amazing thing to look at from a technical point of view, how they're doing all of that. But suffice to say, one of the things that uh, I didn't know, but we've had hints about this, is the fact that there was apparently an effort. And we this goes back to that anonymous article with the word Lodestar and all that shit. We had heard reports that there were people inside the White House who were making attempts to thwart some of Donald Trump's things. And hmm. one of the things we heard about uh, evidence of during the most recent hearing on Tuesday was the fact that Donald Trump signed an executive order, not only ordering the Defense Department to seize voting machines, but also then to appoint Sidney Powell to be a special counsel who would then investigate whether all of these voting machines were rigged against Donald Trump. And so once that executive order was signed, (laughs) the White House staff, specifically the White House counsel's office, Pat Cipollone, uh, Eric Hirschman and that whole team 
decided, uh-uh, we're not, we're just not going to implement this. We're not going to go through with the paperwork required to make this executive order official. We're just going to let the old man believe that he actually authorized this, that Sidney Powell is special counsel. In a prior circumstance, uh, the same thing happened with Jeff Clark. I think Donald Trump believed Jeff Clark was the acting attorney general. For a period of time, we saw acting attorney general on the call sheet uh, <laughs> under Jeff Clark's name at one point, evidence that uh, the you know at least the Oval Office and Donald Trump believed that was the case, but it wasn't the case again. And I also caution when I talk about this and the so you know the so-called patriots inside the White House who were trying to block Trump. They were there for a lot of awful shit that mm. they didn't manage to block. And I hate to look at the cup half empty that way, but it's absolutely true. They were all there on staff, uh, you know, playing right along, serving at the pleasure of the president when he oversaw the deaths of 400,000 Americans during his final year in office. Obviously, the number grew to a much higher uh, death toll. But, you know, for 2020 and the first month of 2021, 400,000 Americans died because of Donald Trump's toxic incompetence and ego, his ambition, his toxic positivity, all the rest of it. And so uh, none of those people did anything uh, when it was absolutely necessary when it came down to saving lives doing the things that we needed to do in order to thwart a, a major pandemic none of which was actually done and it's all evidence in the fact that here we are still two years later more than two years later and covid is getting worse so uh this is all to say that yeah they blocked donald trump on some of the ways that he was planning to uh, organize this coup, uh, this overthrowing of Congress, which is absolutely what he was going to do. I believe he was going to march into the House of Representatives, the House chamber, and basically declare himself emperor and uh, you know, obviously uh, retain power, uh, delete the election, delete the, elector the, the electoral votes and all the rest of it. And, uh, and they tried to stop him on a couple of occasions, uh, mainly one that would have been immensely damaging, which is Sidney Powell as a special counsel looking into all these voting. And of course, they would have fabricated evidence of fraud. They didn't need to actually uh, find problems with the voting machines. All they needed was, just like with Donald Trump and Ukraine, all they needed was the image of impropriety, the idea of it, the patina of it. They didn't need actual evidence of it. All they needed is, oh, well, there's an investigation. So clearly there's something hinky here with the voting machines. So that was the intent of that. And thankfully, it was blocked. You know, yeah. I, I got two things about this. One, this that was the, they Republicans have been screaming about, you know, there was no coup. There was no coup. That was essentially a coup from the inside. Yeah. Yeah. They just pretty much overrode the president and said, yeah, we're not going to do that, which put them in charge of the government in whatever limited um, capacity you want to say. Right. But they seized control of the government in a very small way and said, we're not going to do these things. And they, not for nothing, the things that Trump was telling them to do weren't actually illegal. The things that we're going to do after would have been illegal, 
But the things like he wanted to do, which, you know, put Jeffrey Clark in charge of the DOJ and um, have Sidney Powell as a special prosecutor, weren't actually illegal. What he was going to have them do in those positions would have been illegal. But they stopped him from executing legal, his legal authority in order to stop more illegal things. But they didn't care about the other illegal things. They just cared about these illegal things. But still, you, you know, what you're saying is true. It's not like they were, you know, um, uh, profiles encouraged previously. They stood by and watched half a million people die. But they essentially executed a palace coup when Trump was completely unraveling and just said, yeah, we're not going to do these things, which in and of itself is astonishing. But that leads to the second part, which is that will never happen again. If Trump were to get back into the White House, he will make sure that the only people on his staff are absolute loyal yes men. If he says, I want you to drag this person out into the southern South Lawn and shoot them, they will do it. And he will not have anyone on his staff who will tell him no or refuse to obey his orders. And, and same thing with DeSantis. Mm-hmm. If DeSantis gets in, he will make sure that he is only surrounded by people who will do what he says. If I tell you to do something, doesn't matter if it's illegal or constitutional, you know what kind of uh, government you're signing up for. And that's what we're going to be doing here. Yeah, and I think, look, this is why it is so important that Trump gets charged in this, right? There's like, and I think that, you know, the hearings have, have the, the needle, I think, has shifted Um I, I think the calls for uh, a prosecution, a criminal prosecution, are now kind of, the, you know, this doesn't seem like kind of hyperpartisan screaming, right? It never was hyperpartisan screaming. This was obviously, you know, Trump should have been thrown in jail a long time ago. But, you know, there was a piece in the, in the, um, uh, in the Guardian this week that I thought laid it out quite well. Um, that the, the January, the House uh, committee is, is laying out a case basically that and it's geared to making a criminal prosecution inevitable right um so the guardian piece writes this week the panel's seventh hearing on tuesday argued that trump instigated an attack on the u.s capitol that was premeditated rather than spontaneous and that he cannot hide behind a defense of being willfully blind the committee also sought to show an explosive convergence between Trump's interests and those of far-right extremist groups, although critics said the case fell short of direct collusion. Even so, the late revelation that Trump had tried to contact a person talking to the committee about potential testimony, raising the prospect of witness tampering, was only likely to compound pressure on the Department of Justice to investigate the former president. So there was that. But we also have... Um, the the Steve Bannon story this week as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so this was broken by oh, Mother yeah. Jones. <clears throat> so this is the story reported by Mother Jones the, um, the, this past week, and this this came out on July twelfth. So it says on the evening of October thirty first, twenty twenty, Steve Bannon told a group of associates that President Donald Trump had a plan to declare victory on election night, even if he was losing. Trump knew that the slow counting of Democratic-leaning mail-in ballots meant that the returns would show early leads for him in key states. His, quote, strategy was to use this fact to assert that he had won, while claiming that the inevitable shifts in the vote totals towards Joe Biden must be the, be the result of fraud, Bannon explained. Quote, <laughs> what Trump's going to do is just declare victory, right? He's going to declare victory, but that doesn't mean he's a winner, Bannon laughing told the group 
according to the audio of the meeting obtained by Mother Jones. He's just going to say he's a winner. And then he goes on, as it sits here today, Bannon said later in the conversation, describing a scenario in which Trump held an early lead in key swing states. Quote, at 10 or 11 o'clock, Trump's going to walk in the Oval Office, tweet out, I'm the winner, game over, suck on that. <laughs> so, Jesus. Yeah, like, and, it, and, and what Bannon said, this is exactly what happened. This is what Bannon said is what Trump did. Like, we all sat there and, what, and watched this. We knew this was going to happen. Yeah. Um, that th- as the votes came in, Trump took an early lead. I had, I-, I was fielding like multiple phone calls and texts from people petrified, uh, you know, that Trump was going to win. Um, and I was saying, just wait, just wait. The votes are not being counted yet, right? Just, mm-hmm. just, right. This is like it, Biden's got this, but you just have to be patient. But Trump declared victory. So obviously that sets, you know, he understands if there's anything that Trump understands, right, it's how to play the public. It's how to create um, a spectacle and it's how to control narratives. The guy was amazing at at shifting the narrative to whatever he wanted it to be. So that's what he did. He just said he he would, you know, he'd won. Right. So now we have on record that, that Bannon... Uh, Bannon knew this. Bannon, Bannon had this. This had, was already discussed, right? So this was premeditated that Trump was going to try to steal mm-hmm. the election. So I, I, fe- I can't see how this now doesn't lead to um, some sort of prosecution. And and you know, does this end in in jail time for Trump? I, I don't know. Like I, I don't have much hope for that. But it's got. There's got to be. There's. There has to be some ramifications for him. Right. I mean, he's got legal troubles all over the place, like literally everywhere. Right. He, he, he's got there's a, there's another I, I think he was what, what was happening. And there was a he was supposed to be in court this week. Right. His his ex-wife died. on So I'm not sure whether that that's going to that's going to continue happening. Um, uh, but he's you know, he's due in court this week um, over inflating property taxes. Um, you know, that's a serious crime as well. Like this guy is just, I mean, it's crazy that this, he's still a relevant political force and he's, you know, he's basically said he's running again in 2024. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he told Olivia Nuzzi, um, Olivia Nuzzi in the, in the New Yorker this week that essentially he's going to run. He's just trying to figure out when he's going to announce his running. Yeah. Before or after the midterms. Yeah. He, he right, can't decide right. whether it's going to be that now or whether before. it's going to be in, uh, please you know, let him announce before. Yeah. Do it yeah. before, please do it. Before. Please do it before. That'll be yeah. quite the adrenaline shot for our side. My guess is the entire Republican establishment is saying, no, don't wait. You got to wait. Yeah, no one wants him to uh, announce before the midterms uh, on the Republican side, at least. Yeah, so hoping he does because, but I think that he he believe, he's running because it will, he thinks it will keep him out of jail. Yeah, well, right. it's a number of things. It's it's going to keep him out of jail. Plus, he's just got the taste in his mouth for that power, and he came mm. damn close. This is going to be a do over for him. He's going to now that he knows all of the big loopholes in the system from the inside now that he's had some time to look back and figure out where things went wrong for him he can correct those mistakes and that him correcting those mistakes is horrible news for the rest of us because as i've been saying for so long now when these guys get back into power whether it's a congressional majority or the presidency or a combination of both god forbid 
they are going to barricade the door behind them. No one, mm. you're not going to be able to vote them out. Democracy will, in effect, be over. They mm. will uh, make it uh, possible for you know them to retain power for the foreseeable future. I don't see anything changing that in the Supreme Court or anything along those lines. So you know we have to act accordingly, and that's where my focus is when it comes to this shit. Yeah. So look, let, let's um, m- moving on um, to the next the next topic, which is uh, another. You know, obviously this is we, this this week is the um, horrible case, right, of this ten um, year old who uh justin you wanted to talk about this you messaged me about this because this you've been extremely angry about this um fuming um so please like what obviously we had the 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 end of roe versus wade and the states now overturning they're furiously overturning abortion um uh, laws in their country to essentially ban abortion uh almost outright um and they're obviously these horrific cases that keep popping up and, right, um, as, as they were always going to. Yes, and that was the thing. And and, and we meant we talked about we talked about this briefly last week. Just for mm. we just talked about it just for a little bit last week because the story was just breaking, and um, you know there wasn't a whole lot of details about it for obvious reasons. You know, it's ten year old kid. Mm. Uh, you're not going to get a lot of information on her because well, that's none of our goddamn business. But um, and. What happened, what ended up happening was she went to, she left her, she left Ohio, went to Illinois where it's illegal and she got an abortion because it's inconceivable that you would force a 10 year old to get to, to have a a baby because the psychological and physical damage that would do is it's unimaginable. Okay. Mm. Like my daughter's 12 and it's, you know, she was just 10 years old two years ago. And I think about how small she was at 10 and it's like, are you shitting me? The, the, yeah. the, the idea of having her carrying a baby is like, are you insane? What, what's wrong with you? But Republicans were more than happy to try to force her to do that. But she didn't. She left the state. However, it turns out that the Republicans didn't want to believe this was true. Because if something pops up that shows exactly how cruel and humane they are, their first reaction is, well, that's not true. And they spent a, the better part of a week is uh, just saying it was a hoax and it was a lie and it was bullshit. And then the guy got arrested for raping this kid. So clearly it wasn't a lie. It wasn't a hoax. He raped her at least twice that we know of. Um, and he's the guy that got her pregnant. So yes, it actually was true. And yes, it was true that Ohio Republicans were going to force this little girl to have a baby. So now, I mean, you're going to talk about this. It's um, with uh, Jesse Waters, but they shifted from saying it was a hoax to attacking the doctor. Yep. That gave um, that that performed the abortion because they cannot just uh, just talk about what their entire worldview actually amounts to. Like your worldview forces little girls to have babies. That's what your worldview is, but mm-hmm. they can't talk about that. So now they're going after the doctor, which I think is absolutely astonishing. They're like yep. they're, they're, the the uh, um, <laughs> the attorney general of uh, Ohio, I think it is, is starting to investigate the doctor, which is unfucking believable. Yeah, uh, 
those of you who watch the Obi-Wan Kenobi series on Disney Plus, just to give you an idea of, of what age we're talking about uh, for this child, uh, the actress who plays the young Princess Leia in Obi-Wan Kenobi, she's 10 years old. She looks like she could fit into my coffee cup. That's how young and small she is. Now, just superimpose all the shit that goes along with pregnancy onto someone like that. Um, when we get to our both sides thing, I got to talk about uh, this. One of the most insane anti-abortion arguments I've ever heard in my entire life happened in a uh, congressional hearing the other day with Eric Swalwell. Uh, but suffice to say, this is... Uh, a typical case for the Republican, the modern Republican Party, even prior to Donald Trump uh, ascending and 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 controlling the party, Republicans have been going after non-combatants for years and years and years. I've written about it in the banter many many times, where they like to attack children, they like to attack people who don't have any media training, they like to attack people who aren't involved in any way in the political debate in this country. And they blindside them. Jesse Waters made a name for himself on Fox News Channel by accosting these people in parking lots and in their driveways, uh, accosting homeless people, uh, you know, many of them with substance abuse issues and mental health issues, using that for laughs on the Bill O'Reilly show back when he was the host before he was disgraced and fired from the network. Uh, And so that's the kind of people we're talking about here. So it's no surprise that they're going after this doctor. It's no surprise that prior to the rapist turning himself in or being arrested and confessing that they were going after the Democrats for this being a hoax, uh, making the 10 year old girl out and her family out to be liars, scam artists and all the rest of it. This is how they operate. They go after people who can't defend themselves and it makes them feel bigger. It makes them feel tougher. And, uh, it's just a low hanging fruit. It's an easy target for them. And, uh, and so that's why this was inevitable. This was going to happen no matter what, but thank God that the the actual information is out there now. Yeah. It absolutely won't be the last time. They'll do this to any little girl who has to do this because they're fucking psychopaths. Yeah. They really are absolutely psychopaths. Right. And then lie has circulated around the planet already, uh, before the truth got its pants on. So it's the lie that's probably going to stick with a lot of people who, uh, were following along with Tucker Carlson and Fox news and the Republican party. So, uh, I would imagine this is going to be a zombie lie that will continue on and on and on because there are so many zombie lie, uh, lies with this argument, with this topic, with this issue. Yeah. So look, I mean, this, this, this brings us on to the next um, segment of the show, right? Which was about um, the Biden administration's response to uh, the, the overturning of Roe versus Wade um, and how, at least in my view, I think that they, they basically helped, they waited too long for this, right? And and they've sort of allowed, and I, you know, it's not related to this story of the 10-year-old girl particularly, right? Biden did actually bring this up, thankfully. Um, but, you know, there was some, they dragged their feet on this, right? The the Biden administration. And I think, you know, look, for, there, there were some, maybe some good reasons um, for, as to why they did this. We don't know what's going on in the, in the Biden White House. Um, but, you know, given the sort of their history, they like to respond to things, um, you know, calmly, evenly, and have a plan in place, right? So, so generally, and generally speaking, that's a good thing, right? 
And I think that Biden should be given a lot of credit for how he's managed a lot of crises in, um, in, in his White House. But I think that they made a mistake on this, right? There, there was a big piece in the Washington Post um, this week about inside the, you know, what what, what was going on. Um, it was two long weeks inside Biden struggled to respond to to abortion ruling. And this was by a piece by Ashley Parker, Yasmin Abtilab and Tyler Pager. Uh, and the byline was that many, and the, um, basically, the synopsis was that many Democrats were dismayed by Biden's slow-footed response, but cheered his more forceful tone and actions on Friday. So I think they missed they missed an opportunity, right, to just a have a plan. Um, you know, they knew this was coming, and I think that they should have had a plan ready to go before the ruling came out, uh, or, or literally minutes after the ruling came out. Um, and they waited three days for a proper response, and I think that that was too long. And I think that mm. you know. Hopefully, this—the only silver lining I see in this scenario—is that they can translate this into some sort of uh, boon for the midterms. Uh, and I worry that they have—they've blown it. I, I don't know. What, what do you guys think about this? I'm, no, I'm, they definitely should have had some because they knew it was coming. Yes, like there was there was no way. I mean, even if even if they didn't think it was like, well, there's still a chance that the the um, draft that came out. Isn't going to be the final. Maybe they're not really going to overturn Roe. They mm. should have prepared just in case and had something ready to go. It's like if they do this, boom, we drop this the next day or the same day. Ten, right. You know, one hour later, they overturn Roe, we drop this. You know, mm. we, we slap down an executive order and say, fuck you. It's like, no, yeah. you, you don't get to do that. Yeah, and it sh- that, that's what I, I think. I think they should have had executive orders ready to go. Um, they should have just passed them without worrying too much about the leak. Because they were, you know, there was a lot of internal debate about what are the legal ramifications if we do that. You, you know, figure that shit out later, right? Like, figure it out later. Just pass it. Just do it. Do an executive order. Um, make sure that, you, you know, on federal land that you've got a plan so that women can get um, they can get the care that they need on on uh, <clears throat> land owned by the federal government. Um, just start doing things quickly, right? As opposed to waiting um, and and trying to, you know, and say, oh, well, I hope they see sense on this, and we need help in the midterms. That so, yes, of course, we need to like vote um, Democrat for the midterms and ensure that we can ca- do a carve out on the filibuster and pass a constitutional amendment. But that it should have been just ready to go. So I, I, it does concern me that they, I don't know. I don't know how we get back to controlling the message on this. Um, mm. And then Biden did do something uh, with the tip, you know, he brought up the 10-year-old girl uh, recently. And, and, and I thought it was good. He was really good um, making a very emotional sort of appeal uh, to Americans about what the actual ramifications were about that. But it was like, you know, this kind of thing, is, it's, it's almost too late. Uh, you, you know, like this, this kind of thing should have been done early. So I don't know. Like I'm not, I'm not that happy about it. Like I, I've been pretty disappointed in, in the way. And they didn't like Kamala Harris is, was excellent on on um, all of this stuff during the primaries. Right? She was very forceful about this kind of stuff. And why didn't they bring Kamala Harris out immediately? Um, go and have her do press events go and have a speak to you know 
women, minority women, um, who are going to be mostly affected by this and do like a lot of public, you know, like have something ready to go and they, and they didn't. And, and I, I fear that, I, I don't know. I don't know how they come back from it, but, but they are, I mean, I, at least they're heeding the call. I think that they now understand how pissed off the base is. I mean, it's not, it, it's not that hard to come back from it. So, all right. So like, all right, here we go. On, on July 11th, um, they put out the, 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 the Biden administration put out um, a directive to um, hospitals from the Department of Human and Health and Human Services, uh, reminding. Uh, did you see the thing about emergency rooms? Right, people who go into emergency rooms with a pregnancy—well, not just pregnancy, but any—and if a pregnant person goes into emergency room with a medical emergency, and the only way to deal with that emergency involves an abortion or something that will lead to an abortion, mm. then the emergency room has to do that regardless of what state law says okay that's federal law the the emergency medical treatment and labor act provides rights to any individual who comes to a hospital emergency department and requires examination or treatment etc cetera, etc cetera. so if you walk into an emergency room and you're pregnant and there's something wrong with you and the only way to save your life is to terminate your pregnancy it doesn't matter if texas says that's illegal they have to save your life, right? Because there are states who are in the middle of making it illegal to do that, even if the woman's life, uh, well, not woman, person's life is in uh, jeopardy because mm. they're a death cult, right? They're Republicans. They're a death cult. And um, Ken Paxton, the AG of Texas, is suing because the oh, Biden's trying to turn emergency rooms to walk-in abortion clinics, which is bullshit, but that's the type of messaging that Democrats get behind. It's like, they're trying to murder women. Like Debbie walked it. This is what I wrote about. Uh, what was it? Two weeks ago, Debbie walked into an emergency room bleeding profusely mm. because her pregnancy was terminating. And according to Republicans, she would have had to fuck off and go home and hopefully not bleed to death. Sorry, too bad for you. You know, that's, that's the type of messaging Democrats can go out to the public and say, oh, they're saying we want to turn to emergency abortion clinics. We're saying they want to murder you flat out. Yeah, they want I, you to die. Right. And I, But this is what I want to hear from the White House. This is what I want to hear from the, the House leadership. I want to hear this like like now. I want to hear it all the time. I want them to beat the living daylights out of the, the, the Republicans with you know, um, I, think, I, think it's, it's like, I swear it's like they're waiting for someone to actually die before they start doing that. And it's like, why are you waiting for that? Why are you waiting now? Just do it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I, yeah, so I, get anyway, the, I get the political calculus of all of this. They want to uh, use this issue to uh, increase voter turnout. So, you know, we can block fascism in the fall. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, I absolutely agree with the sentiment that this action that Biden has taken so far could have been done the day the Dobbs decision was handed down, or maybe even announced prior to that. Like, oh, well, here's our contingency plan in case all of this goes down the way we think it's going to go down. That's absolutely true. But I think sometimes in the discussion over, did he act quickly enough? Were, were the actions appropriate? Were they tough enough? I think we end up losing sight of, it's sort of the same thing that we end up doing when we talk about Joe Manchin and, and Kirsten Cinema we lose sight of the Republicans who are responsible for all of this. And 
what I want to do, or what I'm at least trying to do, and I, I, I seem like I'm in the wilderness when it comes to this because it, it's barely resonating, if at all, on social media. But the fact of the matter is that we need to maintain much more focus on state legislatures and much mm. less focus on the American presidency, whether it's Donald Trump, will he, won't he, whether it's Joe Biden, will he, won't he. We've got a midterm coming up where we've got a lot of state legislature races. And I would wager that a lot of the people who are, you know, talking about uh, Joe Biden right now, whether it's it doesn't matter the topic, uh, probably don't know who their state legislators are, whether it's their state senator or state representative and much less have volunteered for one of those campaigns. And mm. uh, I think that's where the left falls apart. We're always looking for the Grand Slam home run. We're always swinging for the fences, and that's the American presidency. And I understand that. I do that myself. That was my area of focus with my political science degree. I was concentrating on the American presidency. So that's something that I write about a lot and focus on a lot. But I think from a movement perspective, from an activism perspective, we don't do nearly enough to focus on state legislature races. So this is all to say, yeah, Joe Biden could have done more. And I've had suggestions myself in terms of what he could have done and what he still could do. Uh, but that needs to, I think, be secondary to the long-term focus of reversing all of this. And uh, I, I know, for example, AOC has uh, written a letter. Maybe I think it's, maybe she's, I, I want to say she's introducing legislation that would prevent the Supreme Court from ruling on, uh, oh yeah, it would, it would remove the, juris, the Supreme Court's jurisdiction over abortion. And my reaction to that is, well, don't we ever want the Supreme Court to overturn Dobbs? If we take that uh, jurisdiction out of their hands, they won't be able to overturn Dobbs. And so it's like, oh, God, God damn it. You know, there are positive things that we can all do to stem the tide of this uh, theocratic dominionism that's rising up in the United States. And, you know, most uh, glaringly when it comes to LGBTQ and the abortion issue, women's rights mm. in there too, voting rights for uh, black people uh, on that list as well. And, uh, and that is to focus on state legislatures. I mean, I think we have to start thinking of the political side of the federal government, the presidency and Congress as being more or less ineffectual. At where yeah. the real action is taking place on the state legislature side, whether it's for good or evil. And most mm. of what we have seen recently is for evil, unfortunately, in a lot of these uh, red trifecta states. So there you go. That's my that's my thing with uh, Biden. And, and just just to uh, cap this all off, one of the things that I think Joe Biden still could do is to offer emergency abortion services on federal land in some of these states, whether it's uh, military bases or what have you. And people say, well, well, the Hyde Amendment prevents federal funding for abortion. Well, there are exceptions in the Hyde Amendment. You can provide abortion services with federal money for in cases of rape, incest, and medical emergency. I think at the very least, providing those kinds of services in red gulag states uh, would help a lot of sexual assault victims and a lot of people with medical conditions that the state won't allow treatment for. So that's one thing that I think could still be implemented that hasn't been done yet. Although, you know, the, uh, the plan remains to be seen in terms of its details. But yeah, I guess just my thing was, why did they not have 
that ready to go. Oh, I like, understand. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I, I agree. You know they I mean? were slow. Yeah, they were slow to react. And I think people wanted leadership in that moment, especially in those first uh, few days. And while it was great to see the president and the vice president step up in front of a microphone and talk about these things, I think what we all wanted to see was a plan of action. Here's what we're going to do. And here's how we're going to do it. And here's the timeline in terms of how it all plays out. And we didn't get that right away. And I think that's part of the frustration here. And uh, But I do believe that ultimately the solution to this is in our hands. It, it's mm. in, our uh, activism or lack of activism is going to decide in the long run whether these laws uh, or we, laws get overturned, whether it's the abortion laws or whether it's uh, voter suppression laws, uh, rigging the elections, putting more power in the hands of state legislators in terms of uh, deciding the electoral votes, all that shit. Mm. That's in our uh, we, we need to we, we shouldn't be sitting around waiting for a Pied Piper to lead us down the road. Democracy is about we the people and we the people can take a stand on these things. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Um, okay, so uh, moving on, we're going to go into our both sides segment. Um, <laughs> so my pick this week, we're going to going to continue on this theme, the abortion, and this is we talked about him earlier. This is our our, our good friend, uh, the monstrous dickhead Jesse Waters. Um, <laughs> <laughs> monstrous so, dickhead i'm gonna steal monstrous. that that's perfect <laughs> please please do right uh so this was so this guy spent the entire week right um basically doing a disinformation campaign against the 10 year old from ohio uh so he was proved wrong like at every single turn right so he f- f- first of all um he said there was no in, in evidence of an investigation into the child rapist. Uh, and then when it was, right, when, <laughs> when obviously the story turned out to be true, um, he turned it into a, an issue of illegal immigration. So his, the headline on, on, on his show was justice served illegal charged with rape of 10 year old. Right. So this is, this is, uh, uh Jesse Waters who used this 10 year old, rape victim as a, a political football right mm-hmm. um and by doing the opposite right so like J- justin like you're always saying like every was it every republican every, every republican, republican accusation is, is a, confession. a confession right so he was saying that uh the president joe biden had exploited the girl's story right um and this is this is from Media Matters, right? It said Waters began the segment by claiming President Joe Biden had exploited the girl's story, making no mention of the right-wing media effort in which Jesse Waters' primetime played a pivotal role to cast doubt on the story and claim it was false. On Monday, Waters spent his monologue dismissing the story as a convenient fabrication from an abortion doctor. He then hosted a conservative blogger and Ohio's Attorney General, with the latter claiming that he had. He had heard not a whisper about such a case among the law enforcement community. Less than two days later, Waters' efforts to undermine the story were proved wrong. The Columbus Dispatch reported that an arrest had been made in the connection to the case, and the police say the alleged rapist, Gerson Fuentes, confessed to the crime. Instead of acknowledging his show's Monday night blunders, Waters doubled down, crediting his show for aiding in the case uh, and hosting Indiana's Attorney General, Todd Rokita, to target the girl's Indiana doctor, Caitlin Bernard. Waters claimed she had a history of failing to report child abuse cases, right? Then this was, again, less than a day later, Waters' line of attack was disproved when the Indianapolis Star's Tony Cook reported that Bernard had reported the abortion in question. 
So this is like this dude had not only did he he um, use this girl as a as political football, he also fucked up every aspect of the story. Literally everything he everything he reported, he got wrong. Everything, right? Did he apologize for it? Did he make any amendments to his original reporting? No, oh. because this is this is what right wing. Oh, I'm sure bang. he thought about it because he's got such integrity. He's yeah. full of integrity. So yeah, this that's my both side. This is when do you see this kind of inhumane garbage from anybody on the left? You never do, right? Or or, or it's 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 very very rare, and you don't see it on any mainstream media organization. But this guy is on. Fox News, right? This is the major show watched by conservatives around the country. And he's out there basically lying and committing sort of the the most like schoolboy errors a journalist could make. Um, And quote unquote journalist. Journalist, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly, right. So again, this is my, you know, both sides are not the same. And Jesse Waters is an example of this. All right, run over. Uh, what an asshole, yeah. Picks, Justin. Um, okay, so uh, last week or the week before, I had mentioned that the uh, Republicans down in, I think it was Texas, um, were trying to reclassify um, slavery as uh, forced relocation um, for K-12 through education. Um, but it's spread further than that. It's um, they have the whole they have a whole thing going on now. Real story has uh, an article about this. Um, the title of the article is "Right Wing's New Social Studies Plan: Quote Unquote American Birthright Elevates Western Civilization, Pushes Christianity, and Rejects All Talk of Quote Unquote Social Justice." So they're doing this all over the country. Um, if you both recall, and for our audience, way back in the day after the Civil War, the um, Daughters of the Confederacy whipped up this whole thing where the Confederacy was where they were the victims and it was the lost cause. And they taught this in schools for decades throughout the South and in other parts of the country. And this is how you have an entire general well, like now you still have entire millions of people who literally don't understand that the South started the Civil War. They think it's the War of Northern Aggression, and they don't think, they don't understand that slavery was horrific. They think that slaves were happy with their, to, you know, to work the fields, and they, you know, it wasn't that terrible. They don't know. They, they literally do not understand. They don't know what happened. So they don't think it was terrible. They don't think the Civil War was should have been fought because they don't understand why the South was where the bad guys. It was obviously the North were the bad guys. That's what they were taught in school in our lifetimes. Like this, this they were still teaching this in like the late, the early 1970s, but like before I got to school and before Ben, who was a fetus compared to me and Bob, was born. <laughs> but they're trying to do this type of thing again. All right, not necessarily just about slavery, but just in general. So this is from Raw Story. Last week, the Miami Herald. Uh, reported that Florida's Department of Education has begun holding three-day training sessions for public school teachers around the state to prepare them to implement the state's new Civics Literacy Excellence Initiative, Ron DeSantis' flagship effort to create a more, quote-unquote, patriotic civics curriculum. Um, 
Some teachers say the state's new standards promote a Christian fundamentals understanding of history and that trainers have told them the founding fathers opposed the separation of church and state. They're teaching them that, you know, Ronald Reagan was a hero, that um, they, they, of course, they have to talk about Bill Clinton's impeachment and they don't want to talk about anything in American history that makes the right look bad. They just remove that sort of thing. Um, slides from the training present presentation noted that enslaved people in the U.S. only accounted for 4% of the transatlantic slave uh, trade, which both minimizes the number of people ultimately enslaved in America and suggests that other countries' slavery practices were worse. And it just goes on mm. and on and on. This is This is literally the exact type of thing they accuse the left of doing with CRT. Except we don't do that. We're not teaching CRT in schools, and anything that are, is to, or in schools that they object to is actually real history. Like, you know, slavery was really bad, and white people have done a lot of terrible things throughout history. We should probably talk about that every now and then, but now Republicans are literally trying to indoctrinate kids. And like Ben just mentioned, every Republican accusation is a confession. They're literally trying to indoctrinate children with propaganda in schools, and they're making it official policy. And there is absolutely nothing like this on the left. Nothing at all. There's a bipartisan bill that is trying to reintroduce civics back into schools properly because most kids don't get taught civics in any real way, which is why so much of the country doesn't understand how the fucking government works. And Republicans are fighting tooth and nail to stop it. There's nothing like that on the left. It's pure propaganda indoctrination, and it is only coming from the right. Mm -hmm. Lovely. So, yeah, that's something to look forward to for your kids, Ben. Jeez. By the way, anyone um, starts, anyone goes around thinking that uh, the North started the Civil War needs to read up about Fort Sumter. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, well, they were forced to do, the that's first their whole shots. thing. They were forced to do it. The, the North forced them to attack. Oh, that's always their excuse. Yeah, just like bullshit. just like um, NATO forced Russia to invade Ukraine. Yeah, exactly. It's the same mentality. Mm -hmm. Oh, you forced me to do this. Oh, okay, sure I did. <laughs> Good lord, um, Bob, who's your who's your pick this week? Okay, so my pick is uh, this anti-abortion activist named, uh, oh, what's her name? Catherine Glenn Foster. She oh, appeared at a hearing uh, about abortion uh, in the House of Representatives. And uh, <laughs> Eric Swalwell asked, uh, would a 10-year-old choose to carry a baby? Swalwell asked in a clear reference to the account of this uh, Ohio girl. Uh, and um, basically, let me rewind here and say, do you think the ten yeah, here's the question. I got I got the question. I read the wrong question here. Eric Swalwell asks, do you think a 10 year old should choose to carry a baby? And then Glenn Foster replied, she said, I think it would probably impact her life. So if, if it would fall under any exception and would not be an abortion. Wait, so it would not be an abortion if a 10-year-old with her parents made the decision not to have a baby that was a result of rape, Swalwell asked. And then she replied, if a 10-year-old became pregnant as a result of rape and it was threatening her life, then that's not an abortion, Catherine Glenn Foster said. So wow. it would not fall under any abortion restriction in our nation. That is a new thing. I've never seen that. I've been following the abortion issue since the 80s. 
And I've never seen this argument before that if there's an abortion that falls into one of the exceptions that aren't common to all the states, I mean, some states don't have these exceptions, rape, incest, medical emergency. But what she is saying is if it falls under the, one of those exceptions, then it's not an abortion. And then so Eric Swalwell turned to one of the other experts on the panel and said, uh, are you familiar with what disinformation is? And one of the other experts said, oh, yes. And he said, did you just hear an example of disinformation? And she said, oh, yes. Uh, There's this medical procedure and it's used to terminate pregnancy. It's commonly referred to as abortion. And it doesn't matter what the circumstances are. It's still an abortion. Whether it's a, a medication-induced abortion, a surgical abortion, what have you, it's all still an abortion. And I wonder if the anti-abortion movement is deluding themselves into thinking that if the abortion happens under one of those circumstances, one of the exceptions, then it's not an abortion. I don't. That that's just like I don't even know how to grasp that. I don't even know how to wrap my head around that concept. And I wonder, too, if that's a uh, a glitch in their thinking when it comes to other issues. Like, I wonder if they, for example, if Republicans have a different definition of woke than the rest of us, you know, and, and so we're basically debating issues with different definitions of terms. I mean, not only do we not have a common set of facts that we're operating on, but maybe they've got different definitions like, oh, that's not an abortion, even though it clearly is an abortion. Or this is what we think woke means. Like, I remember I had an argument with a writer from foxnews.com, a guy um, who wrote a piece about how he thought Star Trek, <laughs> get this, is too woke. As it was Star Trek from the its very conception, from Gene Roddenberry's initial idea, has always been about wokeness. It's always been about enlightenment. It was the original woke show. Yeah, absolutely. And so in the course of me debating this guy on Twitter, it started to occur to me, he doesn't think woke is what the rest of us think it is. I, I, I don't know what their concept of woke, and I still wasn't able to divine that from this guy's counter argument but they're operating under a different set of definitions than the rest of us are and this is just another glaring example one of the most obnoxious examples i've ever seen that's not an abortion what the <laughs> it doesn't make any Crazy. sense it, yeah. it makes no it, it makes no sense it makes no but, that, that is a new that's a novel one i've yeah. got to say like it really is they're pushing the limits on 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 how to distort reality. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, there's rape, there's legitimate rape, there's forcible oh, yeah. rape. I mean, that was the whole thing. They were trying to like split rape up into all these different things. I, I, I will say this though: once they, if they get back into power, that's all going to go away because they will have the ability to just sweep away all kinds of abortion at which point they won't care anymore right now they still have to pretend that they give a shit so they can't just say you know no rape no, uh, no abortion for anyone we don't care what the circumstances are because they know it's still politically untenable and they will pay a price for it once they once they get back into power and like you keep saying shut the door behind them and throw away the key mm-hmm. they won't do that anymore because they won't have to and then all abortion is abortion and it's all to them. It's all going to be murder and it doesn't matter. And they will just eliminate any exception, including for the life of the mother. 
I guarantee it. Yep. Because that's their that's always been their ultimate goal. Always. And they've always been kind of clear about that when they're not trying to sell it to the public. When they talk about themselves, it's all murder and therefore it should all be banned. And it doesn't matter who it hap- who, who hurts or what damage it does. They don't care. Yep. So right. just something to keep in mind. Agreed. Well, listen, um, we're going to leave it there for today's show. Uh, guys, good good, good chatting. Um, we're going to head into the members section now where we're going to be discussing. It's quite a contentious topic uh, and um, about Joe Biden's prospects in 2024 and whether he should be running or not. Um, I wrote a piece in the members section, in the members only uh, section of the Banter newsletter this week. So you can read that to hear my thoughts on it. I have reservations. I, I'm looking forward to hearing you guys um, uh, talk me down or um, agree with me, whatever. I, I don't know what you're going to say, but uh, it's going to be an interesting one. So I hope everybody will join us there in the members section. If you're not a member, you can get two months free on a band's membership. Just click the link in the newsletter and that will take you directly to our page where you get a nice big discount and you can get all of our members only content, um, including the members only podcast and all of our premium articles. And for everybody else, uh, thanks for tuning in and we will see you next week.